Hello, friends. Welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Acts and the works of Jesus through his church and in his kingdom. I'm Vanessa Hawkins, and joining Amber Barrett and me today in conversation is Mary Battle. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Vanessa. So glad to be here this morning. I'm grateful that you're here. Mary is one of my right arms. Uh, I guess I should only have one right arm, <laughs> right? Many but, uh, <laughs> right? But Mary is uh, the coordinator for women's Bible study, particularly on on Wednesday mornings, and she keeps everything running like a top. So uh, I'm grateful to have Mary here in a different capacity today so that we can hear some of the, the spiritual depth of wisdom that she has. So as is our tradition, we normally start with our first things first question. Mary, I would have you to tell us a little bit about yourself as you answer our first things first question, which is, if you were able to plant anything in your yard or garden and you knew it would flourish, what is the first thing you would choose to plant? Okay. Um, I'm Mary (laughs) Battle and I am married to Julian Battle, one of our elders. Let's see a little bit about myself. I am and was grown Grow, grew up in Africa, and um, my parents live here. They go to um, First Pres, John and Liz Deckety. I have three kids, Jethro, who is almost four, and I have twin babies who <laughs> keep me very, very busy, Silas and Sylvie. And they are about six months now. They were born two months early, but they're thriving and doing really well. Um, I... I am the women's Bible study coordinator, and I get to use all sorts of skills with that. My background is in um, counseling. I'm an LPC licensed professional counselor and marriage and family therapist. So I'm not currently doing that because life is a lot with twins. Um, but and you find a few counseling opportunities I with do, women. I, I mean. do. <laughs> I get to use some of those skills. Um, so just uh, let's see. Plants. I love plants and um, I have a pretty green thumb and I've had that green thumb since I was a little kid. My mom is also a, a plant lover. So I learned that gift from her. This was a hard question for me. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I love plants and I'm currently like the fruit lady. So I have peaches and... Uh, oh, that's right. You I, are. Last year we had 600 peaches. This year they died from the frost, which was really sad. Oh. Um, but I have muscadines, figs. I currently just planted uh, blueberries in my yard and I just discovered that I have blackberries buried in like one of my beds that I need to dig out. So... One of my wishes is to add, instead of just fruits, add like huge vegetable beds. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I love to eat from my yard. It just yeah. feels like this little Eden in the back of my yard. We have an acre backyard and Jethro loves to go around and play and, and, you know, find worms and, you know, pick up the lizards. And he does. I caught a lizard for Vanessa yesterday, actually. It was pretty funny. It was in her, for, her in fire my fireplace. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary just goes doo, 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 doo. she just goes <laughs> over and grabs it like, you want something to grab it no no she lays the babies down and just grabs it it's like okay she's a wilderness yeah. woman yes <laughs> mama boys yes we, we catch lizards a lot in our backyard so I that would be my answer to this question would be I would love um, I don't know eight vegetable beds with Girl. like tons of veggies that, shoot big that's a yeah, farm Mary yeah, that's yeah a farm. I know I know that's my goal <laughs> 
Goals, man. Goals. <laughs> Don't Girl. start with one. Eight. I'll take eight. Oh, yeah. well, I'm not upset about your goals because maybe it changes my question, my answer a bit. Because if you've already got the blueberries in your backyard, then I think I'm planning nothing, Amber. I think, <laughs> I think my answer is that I'm not planning anything. I'm going to swing by Mary's, go Mary's and get some blueberries for my oatmeal. That's what I needed. I there you go. A good there you answer. go. You were welcome anytime <laughs> because I answer. would kill them anyway. <laughs> Well, my answer, it can go in one of your eight beds, Mary, because I, I wanted to do tomatoes. Right mm. now, I do have two smallish vegetable beds in my backyard. Okay. And my mom had, and my dad both have green thumbs, but I don't really, either I didn't pay close enough attention and, and I down, have like a it? secret green thumb. I don't think I do. So I have been growing cherry tomatoes for oh, the nice. past couple of years because they're mm. easy. Anybody can grow cherry yeah. tomatoes, in my opinion, and you get a large... Um, crop of them all throughout the summer and I put them in my salads and I love them. I grow uh, herbs like nice. uh, Thai basil is one of my favorites but that's mm. as far as I go. Now, I'm, But I'm not brave enough to do legit tomatoes and I love big tomatoes and like all the, the different varieties. Yeah, 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 that yeah. type of thing but they're so complicated. Like you really mm. have to know something about tomatoes in order to plant them I think at least now, just listening to people when you do cherry tomatoes do uh-huh. you do you like are you the type of person that pops them in their mouth and likes to squish them or are you like wanting to cut them so you don't get that pop no I, I put them in my mouth and, uh, and pop them you I have to cut uh, them yeah I can't do that I first. eat them off the I vine Mary yeah, so take that you pick up lizards <laughs> I eat tomatoes off the vine uh, alright well planting it does seem like it should be something that is relatively straightforward mm-hmm. I've always thought like what you need a shovel you need some soil, you need some sun, you need some water, you need some time, and voila, you get a tomato. But it's not that <laughs> simple. And if you don't possess a deeper knowledge of gardening, uh, besides sort of what your instincts tell you, then you're probably going to kill some plants. Right, Vanessa? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Your raw instincts <laughs> usually aren't enough. Absolutely. You need wisdom. Uh, today, we're going to be talking from Acts chapter 21 through 22, verse 21. And in this passage, we're going to encounter different groups of Paul's friends, and all of them love Paul and want the best for him, and yet some of them give him counsel according to their raw instincts, mm-hmm. uh, while others give him counsel according to a deeper wisdom. And if, you've li- if you're listening and you've not read these verses yet, as always, we encourage you to hit the pause button and read them now, because doing so really will deepen your own understanding of what we're talking about today. Vanessa, why don't you explain, I think it's helpful to know in this passage, what Paul's chief task is. I mean, he's on mission and we want to know what his purpose is, what he's doing and how it was that friends equally who loved him, cared about him, wanted the best for him. Some gave him good advice and some gave him bad advice, but they both were counseling him according to love. Can you describe sort of what was going on? Again, what Paul's uh, mission was and and how his friend's advice played into that. Yeah, I think the rub of this text is, um, is he to seek self-preservation or is he to be kingdom minded and seek advancing the gospel? And um, in verse four, it's clear that he is seeking the kingdom in that uh, he sought out disciples when he arrived. And so disciples are people who are committed to growing in the knowledge of the Lord, the likeness of the Lord, affections for the Lord until they see the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so those were that's the wisdom that Paul sought out. He sought those people. Um, and it was through the spirit that they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And so they were being spirit led in this first segment of uh, that passage. 
But being in communion with God through prayer and studying his word regularly helps us guard against direction that's outside of the Lord's will. And so people will sometimes, as we see in this passage, offer good ideas or conventional wisdom that Mm -hmm. may not align with where the Lord is leading us um, in that season. Perhaps uh, they offer that out of fear or selfishness or maybe how they understand based on their own experiences. But it's those who are in communion with God who will be led by his spirit and not just filled with conventional wisdom or their own personal preferences. So by verse 10, we see the prophet Agabus through the spirit foretold Paul being bound and delivered into the hands of the Gentiles in Jerusalem. And so the people had an emotional response and they Mm -hmm. sought to protect Paul from suffering, uh, which is just not part, it's just not the Christian life, is it? It's, It's not the life of one who is advancing the kingdom of God. But Paul understood that that news wasn't given for him, that the, the, he didn't test. I love that no one tested the accuracy of the prophecy. No one asked or questioned if it was the spirit that was telling, uh, that Paul this, but it was just that they understood differently how to respond to the news. Um, Paul wasn't given the news so that he could run away. He was given the news in preparation for what he had to face. And so I find it interesting that the friends, they they didn't question the the prophecy. They just had a different understanding um, of how to use it. Theirs was was based in this self-preservation or actually Mm -hmm. preservation of Paul. They wanted to protect him. They loved him. And so that was an emotional response to hear that you're going to have to suffer this. Then by all means, don't go through that. I think that would have been my response too. Mm -hmm. But Paul pushed against it and and what what made him sad and what broke his heart wasn't what was what was to come. It was how they responded mm. to the, the, the kingdom direction. Mm. And uh, and so I think that's really telling of Paul's matur- you know, maturation. And so um, Paul was um, committed to this journey, whatever it looked like, um, whatever it held for him. And uh, so but after Paul responded with resolve to carry the gospel to advance the kingdom of God, the people finally discerned that Paul's going was indeed the will of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though it conflicted with their desires to protect him. Yeah. So can you all describe a time when a friend out of love for you gave you advice that they hoped would protect you when in fact God was asking you to do something completely different um, for his sake that would come at a cost? Okay. Um, this was, again, a hard question for yeah. me. I have had so many great counselors and wise women, wise men in my life. Um, so it took me a while to kind of think through who in my life has given me bad advice. Um, uh, I've just been blessed with such a plethora of, of people who have surrounded me with the love of Christ and with just eyes to see where I need to go next. Um, I think where I would point back into my life where people have given me not so great advice is often people who either don't know me very well Mm. or people who are non-Christians or have good intentions, but don't really know my heart for people. Um, so I can Mm. think back to, um, times in, in, um, when I was in college and people would say, Oh, you need to take on as much as you can Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, get it done faster. Well, that's not my personality. I need to kind of have space to do things slower or, um, when I was actively counseling people, sometimes um, the other counselors in the office, they just have a different worldview. And so they would say, oh, you need to give this advice to these people. And he, and, and it was a good guideline. Like it wasn't that they were necessarily completely wrong, but it's not necessarily 
kingdom minded or what I would want to say fully or in those conversations, sometimes they would say, oh, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. And I would say, yeah, I really, I mean, I'll think about it, you know, but I, I would end up going in a different direction. I think those are some of the times that I can, I can think about that. Yeah, it makes sense when people don't know you very well. And I'm guilty of this. I give advice based off of what I would do or what I've experienced in the past or what works for me. Um, For sure. I do that. And then, yeah, that they don't really know what you're about um, as far as your worldview and how uh, your theology plays into how you make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a lot of good counselors in my life, too. And so I was struggling in some ways to think about a time when someone you know, with good intentions, gave me bad advice. And <laughs> what came to my mind is the time that I wanted to give somebody that same type of self-preserving, um, self-preserving advice. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have a good friend and she moved across the ocean uh, to live somewhere else. And I still remember the time when we were walking and she was, she told me that they were considering moving. And this is one of those friends that you just have one of those easy, deep connections with. Mm-hmm. Her kids had sweet connections with mine. They lined up in age. They lived in my neighborhood. Uh, yeah. We just really enjoyed doing life together. And so when she told me that they were considering going for missions to this country, I wanted to pull up every possible thing that could go wrong because I wanted <laughs> her to stay. You know, I went, well, have you thought about it? Mm-hmm. Do you really think the blah, blah, blah? And and so I just found myself wanting to have that knee-jerk reaction of, let's think of all the things that could go wrong here right. because I really sure. want you to stay with me. And by the Lord's grace, I could tell her, I want to say those things to you, but I know this would not be right. Mm-hmm. But to know that she was going to go someplace that was going to cost her and yeah. has cost her, uh, but that the Lord is blessed and to know it cost you know, me to let her go. Yeah. And, but the Lord has blessed that too. And so it is tempting sometimes to, I mean, self-preservation is deeply rooted in us and it absolutely we don't really is. trust the preservation or um, provision of the Lord and the Lord, but he always promises those things in those decisions as well. So that was mine. What about you? Oh, Vanessa? that's so good, Amber, because I think I'm being more and more reminded of uh, the, the just some of the, the guidance that my parents gave. Just I was such a go getter um, so early, 18 and 19. It was like, yeah, I'm leaving the state uh, to go live on my own and and plant eight um, plots of garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all it. died. They all died. But. I now, you know, being more closely to in my parents' shoes, launching children, I get telling a 19-year-old, maybe you don't want to move across the country and take a job. I mean, maybe you want to stay around family. Maybe you need a support system. And um, so, which is absolutely the conventional wisdom that I got. But all I knew was the door that had been opened was an amazing opportunity. And it was one that um, in my own strength, there was no reason if I'm looking at it in the physical, there was no reason I should have gotten it. Hmm. Um, I had done everything to mess it up. And the Lord had clearly opened the door. Now, I can't say I was so kingdom minded that I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go and do great ministry there. That that wasn't the thought. It was more career oriented. But That's where my attention was at that time. And the Lord knew um, that there were skills that he needed to develop at home, even in a career that would ultimately be kingdom. 
And so he understood that. Uh, but I didn't understand that. But I did understand that he had opened the door. Well, Vanessa, what I, I like about what you're saying, and I relate to it too now, is I am a parent who unbelievably, I cannot believe I am saying that I will have to be launching a child in two years. I oh, cannot be. Oh, my. It's <laughs> surreal. Isn't it surreal? Yes. Yes. It's surreal. And parents we have a deep love for mm. our children and so of course we want to bring in conventional wisdom because conventional wisdom's good and we want to pray and then we also have to trust that the lord is leading them and guiding them through ways we can't fully comprehend or understand and i think that's challenging but i do think it's sweet when we get advice from people who know us well who care about us and who also care about what the lord's doing and in our lives and through our lives. And as you advance through this passage in Acts, um, Paul has now traveled to Jerusalem and he's meeting with the brothers at Jerusalem, James, and it says some of the other brothers. And and they're concerned because they, they have heard that several Jews who are zealous for the law, several, several Jews who are zealous for the law are, are up in arms because they're believing this idea that Paul is preaching to the Jews among the Gentiles, this idea that they can basically throw aside the law, that the law no longer matters, mm-hmm. uh, that he's everything that they have honored um, in the law that the Lord has given them through Moses, he's just sort of casting aside. And so they're, they're angry about that. And they're very shut off to what Paul would have to say. And those brothers are saying, you know, we, they know that Paul's, um, Mission is not to cast off the law, but to show people that the law is fulfilled through Christ and mm-hmm. to present that gospel that, yes, we ought, we now can honor the law and obey the law freely uh, because of what Christ has done for us and the life that we have in him. But they're so closed off to that idea because of what they believe Paul's saying that they won't. There's no way they could even hear it. And so the brothers give him that advice of, you know, what can we do about this? We think you should um, participate in this cleansing ritual that um, the Jews would have gone through at the time and show your support. And Paul could have easily said, I mean, I don't, I don't do cleansing rituals anymore. I don't have to. Right. You know, um, which is probably what I would say. What? No, no, no. Remember, I don't have to perform this. But he knew that that ritual, that all the rituals that the Lord had given his people were not, they were given in order to point to Christ. And even after Christ come, came, you can still do them in honoring and right. remembrance of Christ, sure. but not in that same sort of way of self-righteousness. And so Paul's willing to do that, to participate in this ritual, to um, put up expenses for it, to be there, to do all of these things so that, in a sense, the weaker brother would not be so opposed. He could have just sort of said, nah, I'm free from that. I want to do that. But right. he did something that maybe felt difficult to him. Uh, cost him to some degree um, because he be- he was listening to that advice of, of people who knew you want to reach people you love with the gospel, right. even at a cost to yourself. And so can you all describe a time when somebody has given you advice that actually felt costly to you and instead of trying to prevent you from having to pay a cost, they were encouraging you to pay a cost for the sake of someone else. I think that, um, a great example happened this past week. So there are times when we, in the past, when we have gotten into um, into arguments, like every married couple, no. and it's you it's get arguments. We sure we do. Don't get wow, in arguments. Sorry. <laughs> it's the first. Thing that's <laughs> ever should been should we ask her not to be here? Oh, well, wow. go um, ahead, I guess. And there, there are like he, we are both super stubborn people, uh, 
and our kids get it naturally. Holy cow, those kids have some strong wills. They're going to be leaders someday in something because they have some perseverance and they get it. They get it 100% from me and Julian. Um, they have the ability to just keep saying, you know, pounding you until you, they get what they want. So, um, but um, oftentimes when when we're mad at each other, you know, we take a break and we go to our separate ways and um, just needed time to pray. And, and I just, there's part of my heart that just so does not want to go back. Um, and that's hard to mm-hmm. say because I love Julian and I, you know, I'm committed to him and we have never used the word divorce and we never will. And that's one of our, our commitments to each other is that we will never say that out of anger um, or frustration that, you know, threat, make that a threat, which I think is a, a good um, thing to do. Um, but there are times where I just really don't want to go and make up. I just want to stay mad. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, you know, you are a stinker and you're grouchy and you're tired or whatever it is. And I'm sure he feels exactly the same way and does not want to, you know, to make up and doesn't like me at times. Um, still loves me. Sometimes he doesn't always like me. But I have practiced, praise the Lord, I've practiced calling people who love me and mm-hmm. know me and ro- are rooting for my marriage and rooting for me as a mom and will come back and say, I'm so sorry you're hurt. I'm so sorry. Vanessa has helped me with this at times. Um, I've had other friends who've done this for me and who say, you know, your marriage and your your relationship with Julian are, is worth it. And no matter how mad you are, you got to go back. Mm-hmm. And that does cost. Yeah. It costs to to make up with someone who you're furious with. Um but in the end, I'm so thankful because, you know, it, it, the Lord protects our mar- my marriage, which is a really good thing. And it helps me just, it, you know, for future times when we get mad like that at times, it gets quicker to repent and to say, you know what? I had part in this too. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, that combination, I, I, I'm almost the exact same scenario. I've told people before that sometimes when I get in an argument with John, and I know I need to go ask for forgiveness or I need to repent. This feels like ripping my teeth out. Like, I, I really feel like I'd rather rip my teeth out. It, it, as far as just that, like, I don't want to humble myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I need somebody who I need to call somebody who I know can both empathize with me and push me in the right direction. Right. Mm-hmm. And John would say, you're always welcome to call your mom because my mom does that for me. <laughs> she empathizes with me. You know, she mm-hmm. loves me. And she's protective of me, but she will push me to mm-hmm. do, to move towards John. Yeah. And so it's it a good mama. It is a good mama. Yeah. That can mm-hmm. do both of those things. And I, I had a friend even recently, this is a different situation, but she just, I was talking to her about, um, just a, a recent hurt I had experienced relationally and she could totally get it. Like she yeah. It's so nice sometimes when you're talking to someone, they just get it, right? Yeah. And they can empathize. But she had that same wisdom to not just stay with the empathy or not even go further into sort of blame and let's get angry and do all those sorts of things. But she just encouraged me to think about what it looked like to love and to love according to what the Lord had asked of me and what he promised to give me. And, and it f- feels hard in the moment. But I think it's the empathy and the encouragement and knowing they're for me and they really believe that the Lord has good in these things that feel so hard to do. 
that they know that there's good coming from it. And, uh, and I need that. It is a hard balance. That mm-hmm. is a hard balance. I experienced this uh, recently with Jethro. He was having a hard day yesterday. We had a friend over and he asked for that friend to be over. And then he was such a stinker. And I was like, dude, you asked this friend to be over here. Like, why are you now complaining? <laughs> um, and, you know, that that balance between having empathy for, you know, he's he's three, almost four. It's hard to share toys, but stop being a stinker. <laughs> um, uh, that can be... I can relate to what you're saying. That can be so hard. And and for me, you know, I, I tend to err on the side of all empathy. And then, you know, how do I get to problem solving and helping him move forward as a kid? You know, because then his grandparents will come, not one of his grandparents in particular, will come and say, well, you just need to be harder on him. And I'm like, no, I know my little kid's heart. Like, I hear what you're saying, but how do I do that? That like fits him well in moving him forward and, and him and it being a teachable moment as opposed to just me saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. Life is hard. Right. Yeah. Hmm. There's something about caring about something that's bigger than ourselves or our kids or that, that we push for, you know, but we do want to support and love each other and make each other feel understood, but we want to give some, each other something even bigger than that. Yeah. And it's hard to know how to do it. Yeah. I think, but the, I think the good mentors like your mom mm-hmm. and the good friends give us the, the, you know, counsel that is spirit filled and spirit led. And yeah. Amber said that bad word earlier about humble. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Painful. yeah, I've, I've had an older, wiser mentor um, just at a season of life when I was um, pretty young and lacked awareness as I was sharing with her um, my woes about some family dynamics. I, you know, I, I got to go do this for them and, and I got to go do that for them because I thought, you know, my re- resources and opportunity and the fact that I had the ability to take care of these issues meant that I was the one who was supposed to go do them. Mm. And her advice really was 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 not advice. It was just kind of in a form of a question. It was, do you? Mm. And it just kind of began some probing in my heart. And that was just that became the undoing to a lot of my rescue efforts Mm. and my trying to be the savior. And what that was doing in their lives was shielding them from the power of the gospel Mm. because they were seeing my rescue and they weren't seeing the savior. Mm -hmm. And so um, after, you know, hearing her gentle probe. And allowing the spirit to do the work of bringing some awareness and causing me to see that even my uh, would-be good works were having um, an effect that were not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes being silent is hard. <sighs> sometimes not saving people is hard. You know, mm-hmm. like you, that is especially when you when you feel like you know the answer and a lot of times right. you do know the right answer right. but that person needs the time to like <laughs> discover it for themselves right. and you're like but it just 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 do it's this just, this. just, just this. this yeah <laughs> it's so hard to just stand and be silent and let them struggle um and and, and just be present and then yeah. what we get from that too is it worked out and you're so right. And so yep. then you become the answer person. Right. right. And so it's just this horrible cycle, you know, cyclical pride uh, yeah. thing that happens. And it, it, it feeds, um, it feeds your ego in a really unhealthy way. Yeah. And this wise mentor could clearly see that what I mm. couldn't see. Mm-hmm. We are grateful for those type of wise mentors mm-hmm. and people who have versed themselves in the knowledge of the Lord 
And we're taking a little bit of a change of direction here just because at the end of the passage, it takes a little bit of a yeah. change of direction. And it, it presents us with um, something that happened that's really vivid in the fact that here's Paul following his friend's advice mm-hmm. and participating in that ritual. And instead of it having what would have been the desired effect, which would have been to soften probably their hearts, it has what seems to be, at least in that moment, the exact opposite effect that that um, some people spot him in the temple. They start hurling accusations against him, him being Paul. A huge riot starts. They grab Paul. They drag him out of the temple. They're taking him to the outside. They're, they're killing him. Mm-hmm. They're attempting to kill him. It's such a madhouse and so chaotic that the Roman authorities can't help but notice. They come running out. They try to determine what is going on. Why are you so angry at this man? They can't get to the bottom of it. Um, so they decide to put Paul in prison for his own safety until they can recognize what's going on. And they have to carry him out um, <laughs> because people are trying to mm-hmm. probably just literally rip it's him apart. They're yeah. so angry. Yeah. As, as Paul, I would have been like, yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't have followed that advice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet... And of course, that's not what they intended. That's not what they foresaw happening. It seemed to have gone terribly wrong. And yet, Paul has the wherewithal to know in that moment that he wants to say something, that he wants to testify to them of that gospel, that is his life is centered on testifying Mm -hmm. faithfully and courageously to the gospel, even in the face of people who want to rip you apart. It's crazy. That is crazy. And so that's what he does. He asks for permission to speak to the crowd and he begins speaking to them in such a way that he captures their attention. They recognize for a moment, this man is one of us and he has something to say to us and they listen for a period of time until he says something that pushes their buttons. Until he says we're going to the Gentiles. Until he says they're going to the Gentiles. Exactly right. Thank you, Vanessa. You're right. (laughs) They cannot stand that thought and they rage at him again. But, I thought, how do you have the courage? How does how Paul have the courage and the desire in that moment to testify to God's grace, to his gospel, to Jesus in such a vulnerable way out of love mm-hmm. for those people speaking what God has done in his own life in hopes that that then is communicated to them in a way that they can receive. And I thought, wow, it really does take, and George Robertson in our study points this out. It takes a faithful rehearsing of your own gospel testimony daily Mm -hmm. uh, to know what that is, what the Lord has done, what he is doing, what he will do so that you're ready to, to present that. Can y'all, how have y'all found it important to rehearse your gospel testimony Mm -hmm. so that you're prepared to share it in in all sorts of circumstances? What does that look like for y'all? What comes to mind when I think about this question is, um, there's a couple things we do as a family that helps me remember um, where the Lord has been faithful so I can be prepared to answer. One of them is Julian and I, um, we have sometimes in the year where as a ritual, we will sit down and talk about the year or what is going on and point out to each other. Here's where I see the Lord is working. And that is really encouraging to me. That helps me. Um, and, and because we're such different people, sometimes he has such a drastic different answer for me that it makes me um it makes me think about those times and go oh that's i didn't think about that and i think i hopefully i do that for him as well um the other thing is praying for 
me to have the eyes to see where the, where God is working and to have his perspective when things are hard. Um, the, there's been a couple times in my life where I've been able to go from birth to wherever I am in life. And this has been several years apart and, and like recount my entire story and talk about where God has met me, things that I've learned, things that I carry forward into the future. So I've done that in a Bible study. And I also got to do that in, in super, super, super depth in counseling school, mm-hmm. um, where you go back three generations and talk about like both the things that are hard and the things that are faithful, you know, where God has been faithful to you. And then going forward where you see, um, God is being faithful to you now. So, um, that's, those are instances where I really enjoy and have enjoyed, um, having a narrative and rehearsing it. Um, mm. currently the one practice that I have, which I would say helps me every day is when I, when I lay down at night, I, I take a little while to fall asleep. So typically I fall asleep just thanking the Lord. Mm. Um, and I just go through and say, you know, here's what I'm thankful for, for the day. And thank you for this. And thank you for that. And I usually fall asleep just thanking the Lord, which is really sweet. It kind of helps me to relax. It helps me um, just sink into a place where I'm reviewing the things that have been, although hard, good. Yeah. So that would be my answer in many, in many different situations, how I do that. Those were all encouraging. It just, I've, I've thought before too that I would like to do that when I go to sleep. My mind goes a lot of other different places. Yeah, for sure. That that's and the truth. I'm not great. I'm, you know, there's times where I have to like, oh, I'm not thinking about like, help me pray. Like, I don't need to go that direction before I go to sleep. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, George points out again in this that sometimes we think of salvation as we go back to like this one moment, and yeah. not that a one moment's not special um some of us can really put our fingers on a moment and some of us cannot Mm -hmm. as far as how the lord has um saved us but just the fact that it extends all the way back to before creation that he determined Mm -hmm. that he would come seek me out and that uh that he has been working that all the way up to that maybe that moment i can put my finger on or maybe the moment i can't but that that moment's not really so important is just the ongoing steady story. And so when you go to bed at night and you're saying that those praises, you're thanking him for that continued work of salvation, how Mm -hmm. that plays out. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking as you were talking about Paul and this mob, I'm thinking that that could not have been just reactionary that getting beat up and, you know, and being protected from a mob. (laughs) Oh, let's share the gospel. (laughs) Seems like a good moment. Yeah. I I think that there has to be such intentionality, such a kingdom mindset, Mm -hmm. such a seeking first the kingdom of God that is in you that allows you to look for opportunity, even in struggle, to share the truth of the gospel. And And I think that's what Paul does. And we see him just kind of throughout Acts, just over and over again. I was just looking at how many times we see him saying he reasoned with people in the synagogue. He was persuading the people. Um, And so I, I... I was really taken by that and it made me have to do a lot of uh, just kind of self-reflection mm-hmm. on, man, is my kingdom focus like that in struggle? Nah. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That, that's not what pours out of me necessarily uh-uh. um, in that type of hardship or in any type of hardship. But but also the power of our story, the power of our testimony. Um, 
it's kind of hard for people to refute what the Lord has done for you. You may be able to right. say, I don't know. Um, well, you know, about you can you can, you know, talk about authorship of, of scripture. You can talk about all these, all the, the you know, the criticism uh, um, that that comes with scripture. Or is it really true? Um, if, is it divinely inspired? But it's harder by magnitudes to argue against what I say I experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, in the name of persuading people and reasoning with them, I think our story and how the Lord has acted and his faithfulness in our story is a powerful position yeah, by which absolutely. to start. Mm-hmm. For sure. There is one quote uh, from George I'm actually going to read that was uh, convicting for me in a good way. It said, there's one aspect of Paul's testimony, which it is important for us to remember for our own encouragement. The work of God's salvation of you is not just about you and keeping you from going to hell. God is saving you in order to complete the work he is doing on his whole spiritual building project Mm -hmm. called the church. You are just one part of the large body he is crafting. You are but one piece of the bride he is beautifying for his son. You are but one thread in his tapestry. (laughs) I think we get glimpses of what role he has for us in this great redemptive drama but we cannot know in this life how the whole play fits together. And that was helpful for me because I've said this before, but I, I um, am a self observing um, person a lot, I, introspective a lot, mm-hmm. always trying to wonder, you know, what is the Lord doing? Am I doing enough? Am I? But just to think, you know what? You might not know. And it might really not be just about you. It might be about something else. And it can be encouraging just to take my eyes off myself and say, Lord, you are doing a saving work holistically and I get to be a part of that and that's always encouraging for me that's excellent Amber thank you so much for that so grateful to have Mary Battle here with us today listeners if you want to see Mary's pretty face check out our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women we'd love for you to join us again next week take us with you when you work in your garden or go for an evening walk we'll be sitting down with Shannon Williams and Sarah Price to talk about the storms of life hope you'll listen in Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while she sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again a season of pure shining. To cheer it after the rain.